It is through songs that we also teach and admonish one another. And that's one of those songs we love to sing. But it needs to be one of those that we love to live. That we do not have that problem of really deciding to let the Lord have his way with us. Believing with all our heart his way is the best. He knows what is best. We can just surrender to him. But we always had that tendency of wanting to interject some of our thoughts along the ways and some of our perceptions of what we think could be or should be the case in our lives. For those of you who travel from time to time, sometimes we have those gadgets in our car, we have those gadgets on our phone. You plug in where you're starting, you plug into where you want to go, and you hit go. And it'll give you step-by-step instructions of how to get there. Problem with those sometimes is I don't know who programmed them things. They have a tendency of coming up with routes and detours or sidelights along the way that really make you wonder. They have a way of anticipating traffic, and if they see heavy traffic, what they have you do, or at least some of them that I've been with or seen, is they have you get off the next exit. If you listen to them, you get off the next exit, then as soon as you get off, it tells you to get back on. And then as soon as you get back on the interstate, it says, get off the next exit. And it just has exit to exit going off and on, off and on, because the traffic is heavy on the interstate. But along that line, you have to poke in, enter, where it is you want to go. Spiritually, you have to do the same thing. You have to know where it is that you want to go spiritually. And then you have to believe that Jesus is the way. And that as we go that way, he will mold and shape us according to his being. But to know we have not reached our destination until we've actually reached it. John reminds us in Revelation 2 and verse 10 to be thou faithful unto death, and thou shalt receive the crown of life. It's not until we finish the course that we actually win the prize. We're convinced along the way that there are detours that we can take. There are side trips that we can go down and that we have plenty of time to get back on track. So many cases out there that we know of individuals who have allowed something to sidetrack them and they know they are not where they need to be. They know they need to make a change in their life. They know they ought to make that change while they have time, but this isn't the time. They're going to do it, but this isn't the time. And it does not matter how many times you talk to them, it's still almost the same story. This isn't the time. I know I need to make my life right. And then somewhere along the line, death comes. And they have not prepared themselves for eternity. The scriptures were written for our admonition that we through the patience and the comforts of the scriptures might have hope. The scriptures remind us of so many 
godly people who have struggled with their life, made mistakes, been able to repent of those and come back to God. But it also gives us the example of so many godly people who got sidelined and failed to enter into the promised land. Peter, in the second letter that he wrote, in the second chapter, as he begins to close out that chapter, talks about the problem of starting and not finishing what we would call backsliding. That we slide away from God somewhere along the way. As I study that material and other materials along that line, I'm always intrigued, if you will, by those who believe you're once saved, you're always saved, and you could ever lose your salvation, to hear them to try to describe what it means to backslide, to go away from God. And what happens if one dies when they're backsliding? And they really are not able to answer that question sufficiently. One can lose what one has gained by the forfeit of trusting God, of doing His will within their life. It's interesting, again, as I read Peter's, particularly the second letter of Peter, I believe he's writing that towards the end of his life. He's writing out of his life experiences for one thing and the help of the Lord on the second but as he's writing about backsliding, I believe Peter is writing out of personal experience. He knows what it's like. He knows how easy it is to go down that road and to get caught up in doing something you never would have believed would have been possible. Peter's one of those that were chosen, one of the early disciples of Jesus. The willingness to leave a business of being a fisherman to become fishers of men. The willingness to for forfeit all that he had in this life, if you will, to follow Christ. To be able to do the miracles that he did. To, able, to be able to hear the lessons that he heard. To have the conviction. You think about it for a moment. What would it be like to actually be in the presence, physical presence of the Son of God? Just to be in His presence, to talk, to touch, to listen. What an awesome experience that had to have been to have received the power that he received to go forth and to heal the sick, raise the dead, to be so convinced that you have been blessed to be chosen by God that you would never, ever deny him. And yet that's what's going to happen. Back in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14, verse 27 and following. 
But here the Lord says, all of you are going to forsake me. All of you are going to flee. And Peter, no, Lord, that will never happen to me. I mean, all the rest of them may depart from you, but not me. I was one of the first ones chosen. I'm not leaving you. I'm willing to die with you and for you. Pride. Proverbs writer reminds us in Proverbs 16, verse 18, that pride goes before destruction. Pride. I'll never depart from the Lord. I do not believe that there is a newborn Christian, which all of us were at one time, <laughs> that are children of God. I don't believe there's a newborn Christian that rises up of that watery grave of baptism ever having the thought enter their mind that one day they will deny him, that they'll walk away from him, that they'll listen to the world. And yet they are, and they have, and they will. There's no guarantee. You could understand, if you will, that those that were trying to figure it out during the days of Jesus, trying to listen to the chief priests and the Pharisees and listen to what they're having to say. They've been guiding you and directing you for years, and here comes this one Jesus, and he has a different teaching than they did. That you might sense that struggle. But to come to that conviction, to make that commitment, and to follow, and then reach a point to say, no, this is as far as I'm going. I'm not going with you all the way, Lord. I'm not following you until death. I'm not following you into eternity. I'm going to stop short and enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season. I've said it before, I mean, I've seen Christians do it. I've seen regular Christians. I don't know how to classify people. I've seen preachers. I've seen teachers. I've seen well-educated men walk away from serving the living God. I've seen them live their lives for 50, 60, 70, into 80 years of serving God and then walk away. To have their ears tickled. To be convinced that Satan's right. Jesus is not the only way. There are many ways that you can go to God. There are many ways that you can enter into heaven outside of Jesus Christ. And to hear one who has preached for 50 years say that is, is heartbreaking. And then I'm reminded, because again, I was dare say, if I had a raise of hands, how many of you believe that you're going to be faithful to God until you die? I believe that anyone's a child of God that had the hand up. I'm going to be faithful until I die. And yet, how many will? You know it, do you not? 
you know from personal experience, not just reading scripture, we have the examples given there, but you know from personal experience that there were those that you loved, you trusted, you committed your souls with, who are no longer serving God at all. And they live here in the area, are they not? Who simply walked away. Let something, oh, somebody says something offensive to me and that's it. I'm not ever stepping foot in that building again. I would choose to lose my soul than to accept a wrong done to me. Wow. Peter, I'll never deny you. Pride is the first step in walking away from God. Why? Because humility is the first step. Unless you become like a little child, what? You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you be humble yourself and become like a little child. And you have to keep that humility. We know it from the physical life. We ought to know it in the spiritual life as well. Life continues to be a learning experience. And we find things that were not exactly as we thought they were at one time or another, physically, and maybe sometimes spiritually. And ours is to trust God, that willingness to walk close to Him each step of the way. Second step that goes with backsliding is once you make that determination to let pride come into your life. We have that tendency of losing the eagerness or to become lazy, if you will. Again, you go back to Mark 14 and see Peter there. He's with his disciples. Jesus is. He goes in the garden to pray. The agony is seen by his disciples. It's hard to picture in my mind without letting the emotions get involved. To picture the Son of God laying prostrate on the ground. Sweat like drops of blood. Agony to the point of death. Crying out to the Father. Father, if it be your will, find another way. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. To pour his heart out to his Father, to come back and find his disciples, what? Sleeping. Weary. Tired. Hard to be on your alert all the time. Yet we don't realize the diligence that comes from the Father as well. The difficulty of being unprepared. You're in a battle. You have to prepare for it. Well, Roy and I talk about it occasionally. I mean, we, we love to hear the war stories that some of them tell. I love to hear about boot camp. 
what some have gone through when they've gone through boot camp. Kevin probably got some of those too. Yeah, but what I remember is boot camp in the Air Force was four weeks long. It was Boy Scout camp <laughs> to go through that. <clears throat> but I didn't go to Nam. I got Oklahoma first of all, and then, then I got Germany. I mean, I had a gravy boat, so I didn't have to be prepared. But for those who went into battle, they had to be prepared. They're encouraged, they're admonished, they're, they're pushed to the limit. You be alert at all times, because you never know what when the enemy's coming. You never know how he's going to come. Christianity is no different. We have an enemy out there called Satan. We never know when he's going to come. We never know what tactic he's going to use. And we have to be alert. When you become lazy, he can sneak in. And oftentimes he will. And then it leads to being a coward as we slide away. Peter denied him. Then he followed him from a distance. I've often wondered how many people do that. How many people want to follow Christ, but they want to follow him from a distance? And when you follow him from a distance, you'll find yourself in the wrong crowd. It's a cold night. There's a fire built. Peter gathered around that fire to warm himself. But it's the fire of the enemy. And when being questioned about it, would deny that he ever knew the Lord. Satan makes it convenient to depart. You know, to depart from God really doesn't require anything. You just stop doing anything and you depart from the Lord. No effort is required to depart from Him. No effort is required. No examination is going to be given. No challenge is going to be made by the world. What are you doing here? Why aren't you where you ought to be? It's not going to happen. It requires effort to follow God. We're told in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. The other passage said, and with all your strength. That requires effort. I have to determine this is where I want to be. How many things outside these walls are there available for you to do? How many places could you go at this particular time that require really no effort on your part at all? But to be here had to be a mindset. It had to be a determination. This is where you're going to be. This is where you're going to give time and attention. 
This is where your heart is to be. This is where your mind is to be. This is where you want to give your strength to as well. As opposed to being with those in the world. And then to deny the Lord. Again back in Mark 14 verses 66 through 71. Do not know what the look was when Peter had denied the Lord for the third time. He said he looked and he saw Jesus looking at him. And he went out and he wept bitterly. When you think about how long When you think about to what degree, when you think about how great the love of God is for you as an individual, to what length God was willing to go for you to be able to be called his child, and then to let something trivial pull you away. If he could give that look, would he give it? And how would we respond to it? That would have to hurt. He hung on a cross. He died in order that we might live. And then we're going to say, nah, it's not what I want. It's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to get in with a group of people that never made any mistakes. They're Christians. They're following Christ. They don't make mistakes. And then I get into a group of people and what happens? They make mistakes. How many have walked away? Because of the physical eye. And not allowing the spiritual eye to guide them. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Before the joy set before him had despised the same, the, the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Fix your eyes, spiritual eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on heaven. Read John 14, 1 through 3, over and over again if you need to. Think about again that preparation. Plan my redemption before the world began. Executed it through human history. Jesus came into this world, lived and died, paid the price for my sins. Has gone to heaven to prepare a place for me there. All he's asking is, be my disciple. And follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes into the Father but through me. He's the way. He's already left left the example. All I have to do is follow it. The path is clear. There are no detours in there. Satan tells us it's okay. 
If you do traveling, if you just drive in a car, you see it. What are those billboards up there for? Trying to get your attention away from where you need to be going, if you will. Have you noticed the creativity that we have in billboards now? There used to be paper that they'd go up there and put it with glue, and some guy would be up there putting that billboard up there. And now they're electronically controlled. And they're what? In living color. Bright colors. Everything to catch your eye. Everything they can do to get that seed planted in your mind. What are those commercials go are, are there for? See me first? See me last? Either way? Come see Clay. How many times have you heard that? It's on, I mean, just, just that statement. Just trying to get it planted. Whatever it is. Get planted. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man comes into the Father but through me. Get planted. I gave my life that you might live. Get planted. I prepared a place for you. And I'm going to come again. And I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you are also. Get planted in your mind. Take time to read Revelation 21 and 22. Figurative language, I understand. But the whole point of that figurative language is to try to get us to see the beauty of heaven. And what it's going to be like. As a bride adorned for her husband. What a beautiful, beautiful sight that is. I had a professor that used to say, and all that I've done, he said, I've never seen an ugly bride. Every bride is just absolutely beautiful. Heaven. As a bride adorned for her husband coming down out of heaven. What a beautiful, beautiful sight that must be. And would I lose it for something that's going to vanish in time? And we, and we know everything that we cherish, I mean, it doesn't matter how long we've had it. It loses its value. You can buy something brand new. And it's going to be old in a short period of time. Be something else out there. I'll lose heaven over that. I'll lose heaven because I want the friendship of the world that absolutely hates God and Jesus. I want to lose heaven for that. It's an easy problem to get into. It's easy to get out of as well. 
is simply come home. It's the prodigal son did when he came to his senses. When he realized that what he had been pursuing was an elusive dream. When he came to his mind, he said, I'm going home. I'm going back to my father. And to know that Jesus, or that the Father was indeed waiting for him to come. That's a beautiful thought as well. The Father saw him from a great distance coming. How long has he looked down that road? How long did he look down that road for his son to come home? And when he did, joy. More joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous souls that need no repentance. But the question is, why not tonight? Why would you let the word depart? Why would you close your eyes against the sight? Why? Why would you delay and making the life right with God. It's a question I cannot answer for you. It's one that you have to answer. To know without a moment's hesitation, know without a moment's doubt, God is there. God is waiting, God is loving, and God wants you to come. But one day, the righteous or the love, the mercy, the patience and the forbearance of God will be gone. And there will be a righteous judge with whom there will be no partiality. Danger and death and delay. As you look at your life, as you look at where you are in relationship to God, if there's a need for you to make a change, why would you not do it tonight? And why not come as together we stand and sing? Do not